the angel said to Mary, you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word this morning, please show us more of the Lord Jesus. Reveal to us his greatness and excite us again about the salvation he brings. Please give us ears to listen and hearts to respond to your voice. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please look there. Well, what's your song? You know that song that represents you, which speaks to you, which moves you? Or maybe it is that you're romantically involved with someone else and you have a, an our song. You know, you know, that song is our song. Now, I'm pretty musically illiterate, but even I have a my song. Now, it's far too embarrassing to tell you what it is in public, so you'll have to come and ask me about that later. But these songs are special to us because they might remind us about a particular period in life. Or they might motivate us to keep going on in life. But what makes any old song a personal favourite is when it has real meaning behind it for us. This morning we're going to listen into a song, the words of a song, that was written centuries ago. In fact, I think I can argue that it is the very first Christian song ever written. So talk about classics. This is the original. Mary's song in Luke chapter 1, sometimes called the Magnificat, is Mary's response to God's work in her life. And my hope this morning is that all of us can make Mary's song our song. But that will only happen as we realise that we're actually part of it. And when we realise that it changes everything. We heard the reading earlier, but please make sure you have page 1026 open as we work through Luke 1 from verse 46. And there's also an outline on the service sheet, so if you want to take notes or follow along, that's roughly where we're heading. But to help us look to the passage, I have just two points for us to consider. First, glorify the Lord for the salvation we need, and fear the Lord for the salvation he brings. Glorify the Lord for the salvation we need, and fear the Lord for the salvation he brings. Glorify the Lord. Now, most of us will be familiar with the Christmas story, you know, the angels, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph. But our memory of it might be as vague as was the last nativity play that we saw. So let's remind ourselves. Well, Luke's gospel starts off with two of the most incredible birth announcements you'll ever see. You know, forget blue confetti. The births of John and Jesus were announced by the angel Gabriel. Now, Gabriel came and told Mary, who was a virgin that she would miraculously conceive and give birth to a son. He would be called Jesus, and that he would be called the Son of the Most High. It is an incredible birth announcement. You know, at this, Mary goes off and visits her relative Elizabeth, who herself is six months pregnant with John the Baptist. And when she arrives, Elizabeth, by the Holy Spirit, instantly recognises that Mary is pregnant with none other than the Lord himself. And so Mary launches into song. So let's pick up her first verse from Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, 
For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary is overjoyed at the news of this miraculous baby. But it's striking, isn't it? That there's absolutely no mention of the baby in her song. You would think the one thing that she would be praising God for is the, the privilege of carrying the Son of God. It's a bit like a friend coming to you with their kind of 12-week um, baby scan photograph telling you that they're pregnant, and you go, congratulations! And then they just sort of kind of walk off and start talking about something completely different. So what's going on here? What is Mary singing about? Mary is glorifying the Lord. Now, it's sometimes translated magnifying the Lord. That's where we get magnificat from. But it means praising him, exalting him, giving him glory, making much of God. And she's praising God for being her saviour. Mary realises that she herself needs salvation and that God is the one who can save her. It's amazing to think, given all the hype around Mary today, that if you asked her about her own life, she would say she needs to be saved. But how has she come to know that? You know, we're at the very start of Luke's Gospel. We haven't heard anything about salvation so far in the book. And it wasn't, the angel Gabriel didn't exactly explain the kind of whole workings of salvation through Jesus um, to her. So how has she come to realise that she needs to be saved? Well, she's thought about what's going on. And she started to put the pieces together and work out what's happening. She certainly isn't the simple, silent girl that she's normally portrayed as. She's been doing her research. Well, she's been told that the baby's name would be Jesus. Now, if you spoke Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic, you'd know that that name means God saves. Okay. She's also been told that Jesus would be a king from David's line. Now, the Jews have been waiting for literally centuries for the Messiah, a king from David's line, to come and rescue them, to save them. Okay, so she's done a bit of Google word searching. She started to get things together. But can we be sure she's understood that this is about salvation? Well, it turns out that Mary's song isn't actually an original. It's more of a, more of a remix and we heard the original read earlier, but turn back with me, if you can, to 1 Samuel 2. It's on page 272. So page 272. Here we find a woman named Hannah, having just been told she would miraculously have a baby. A baby who turns out to be the prophet Samuel, who is the forerunner of none other than King David. See if you can spot any similarities with Mary's song, as I read 1 Samuel chapter 2. I'll just read the first two verses. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance, literally salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Back in the Old Testament... Hannah has realised that the arrival of this miraculous baby means that God is at work. And specifically, he's at work bringing salvation and rescue. Now, miraculous births are a bit like God's calling card, his modus operandi, his MO. It's how he works. So when a miraculous baby shows up, it's a sure sign God is at work. 
And specifically, he's at work bringing salvation and rescue. So back now in first century Israel, Mary is seeing what's going on and she's putting the pieces together and she sees that God is at work. It's time for salvation. But even more than that, she realizes that she herself needs it. Before a holy God, Mary stands as an unworthy servant and she acknowledges her need for rescue. Look at how she describes herself in Luke 1, 48. Luke 1, 48. God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She knows she hasn't earned this salvation. She's found favour in God's sight. Mary is humble. And because God brings this salvation to her, she can say this. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary is blessed. And then finally, in verse 49, she exclaims, For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary receives. She's humble. She's blessed. And she receives God's merciful salvation. You know, songs can describe for us great emotions or wonderful life events or great memories. But when we hear a song which really represents the way we feel, we sing it not as the words of a songwriter, but as our own words. It's our song. Well, God's salvation has got Mary singing. Mary is glorifying the Lord because she realizes God is her saviour. Well, if Mary needs salvation... The one who is revered by so many, if even she needs a saviour, then how much more so do you or I? Mary humbled herself before the Lord and recognised her need of salvation. That before a holy God, she needed to be rescued, just as I do, just as you do. And as she humbled herself, she found favour in God's sight. She was blessed. God had done great things for Mary. She, she carried the baby Jesus. But how much greater things can we say of ourselves today? That that baby grew up, became a man, and he died a death on the cross in our place, taking the punishment we deserve for rebellion against God so that we might be saved. God has done great things for us. Jesus Christ brings God's rescue to anyone and everyone who puts their trust in him. So whether you're a Christian this morning or just looking in on Christian things, once we realise that we need salvation, we can humbly receive the salvation God offers through Jesus. And once we realise we need salvation, we can glorify the Lord for the salvation we need. Well, what might it look like for us this morning in Earlsfield to glorify the Lord you know, we might from time to time thank God for things, but I was struck how little I stop and give thanks to God for the greatest thing he has done for me. You know, I'm quick to thank him for answers to prayer here and now, but forget the answer to prayer of the biggest thing he has rescued me from. Do I praise God for being my saviour and for sending his son, the Lord Jesus, to bring salvation for me? You and I know this, don't we? Yet, I've been struggling to really put it into practice this week. There are so many other things in this world which drown out the praise God deserves. 
I find myself being more excited by my DIY projects and my allotment than God's salvation. How much do I need to hear Mary's song today? You know, my daughter Annabeth, she's three, she really helped me put this into perspective. So I've been trying to teach her Mary's song as I've been preparing. And as we walked back from the park, she started singing at the top of her lungs, out on the street in Walthamstow, God, I praise you. I praise you for your salvation. She didn't need any more understanding. She didn't need any more details. But once she had heard about God's salvation, she wanted to do everything she could to sing God's praises. Help me remember. Well, once we realize that we need salvation and that God is our saviour, it will fundamentally change our relationship with him. It won't just change the way we sing, although it will. It won't just change what we do when we meet together on a Sunday, although it will. But it changes our everyday walk with God, our relationship with him, and our everyday walk through life, our relationship with others. You know, Mary didn't just glorify the Lord on Sundays. She realised that this salvation had changed her whole life. You know, she might wake up in the morning praising God for being her saviour. During the morning, she might be reminded of sin and the forgiveness that Jesus has brought and praise God for it. She might meet a friend at lunch and be able to explain with great excitement all that the Lord has done for her. And as she prepares for bed, she can remember how much the Lord has blessed her. I wonder what life might look like for you to glorify the Lord for the salvation we need. Maybe that's something we can chat over coffee later. I realise, though, that you may now be thinking, well, that's all well and good for Mary. She can call God her saviour, but can I call God my saviour in the same way she did? You know, I haven't given birth to Jesus. Well, that brings us to our second point this morning. Fear the Lord for the salvation he brings. Fear the Lord for the salvation he brings. Mary receives the salvation, but as I read verse 50 to 55, listen out for who else receives this salvation. Luke 1 verse 50. God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God's mercy, his salvation, is for some unlikely characters. And actually, it's not for those one might normally expect. His salvation is not for the rulers, for the mighty. It's not for the proud. It's not for the rich. But his mercy is for the humble the hungry, for those who fear him. It's so surprising, in fact, that many writers call this song a revolution. As I was preparing, I found out that at three different times, countries have banned the public reading of the Magnificat for fear of revolution in Guatemala, in Argentina, and in India. You know, the, the Magnificat is traditionally read in Anglican churches at evening prayer every Sunday, or every day in some churches. But during World War II, the then Archbishop restricted its use in colonial India 
to avoid revolution. Such was the fear. God's salvation is a topsy-turvy salvation, turning everything on its head, usurping all expectations. And it's a theme which is further expanded as you read through Luke's Gospel. You know, just think for a moment of any of the characters you might be familiar with who received forgiveness from Jesus. The sick, not the well. The tax collectors, not the righteous. Lazarus, not the rich man. Children, not the proud. The Samaritan, not the ruler. Zacchaeus, not the crowd. The thief, not the soldiers. Me, you. God's salvation comes to the most unlikely people. And Mary summarizes this this for us in verse 50. God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, fear is often misunderstood. We're not to be scared of God, but we're to have a right reverence towards him. In recognition of his great might, we stand in awe and wonder. Now, it's a bit like the reaction a child has to their parents. You know, when they reach the top shelf and bring down the biscuits, the kid stands in awe and wonder. Wow, Dad, look at what you can do. So in this context, fear means to have a right, God-honouring response to his merciful salvation. I'll say that again. Fear means having a right, God-honouring response to his merciful salvation. Just look again at what God has done. I'll read quickly. Verse 50. His mercy extends... 51, he has performed mighty deeds. He has scattered those who are proud. 52, he brought down rulers. 53, he has filled the hungry. 54, he has helped his servant Israel, just as he promised. God himself has done this merciful salvation. So fear the Lord. Revere him for what he has done. Be in awe at his merciful salvation. Fear the Lord for the salvation he brings. Now, we've just spent a few minutes looking at this revolutionary song, but I hope you can realise that very quickly that it is God who has brought about this revolutionary salvation. Unfortunately, many people today miss that point and quickly jump to thinking about how they can bring the revolution, how they can bring salvation themselves. Now, recently there was a bit of controversy over Justin Welby's speech at the Trades Union Conference. He took this song and used it to say things like this. A future of justice is in our hands and it is for us to bring justice. Now, politics aside, Mary would have us realise that this revolution, this salvation is God's job. Through the Lord Jesus, he brings topsy-turvy salvation. So fear the Lord for the salvation he brings. So what's it going to look like for us this morning to fear the Lord? What does it mean for us to have a God-honouring response to his merciful salvation? Well, unfortunately, to find out the real details, we're going to have to read on in Luke's Gospel. Um, You guys, I, I believe, are studying Matthew's Gospel. Well, you're going to be filled with so many ways in which you can respond to Jesus as he teaches his disciples. But look at the descriptions we have here. The humble, not the proud. 
The hungry, not the rich. The servant, not the mighty rulers. It's challenging. You know, God's salvation doesn't just assert the expectations of them out there, people with problems. You know, but much closer to home. For you and I, living for God can be challenging as we realise that God has saved us. We will want to honour him with all we do. But this sort of God-honouring life only is possible as we stand in awe of the merciful salvation he brings. Fear the Lord for the salvation he brings. Now, I said at the start that my hope is all of us will be able to say Mary's song is our song. But this will only happen as we come to recognise that we need salvation, that God is our saviour, and that he himself has brought salvation. Then we can truly glorify the Lord for the salvation we need, and we can fear the Lord for the salvation he brings. Please let me pray for us. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my saviour, Heavenly Father, before your holiness, we stand as unworthy servants. We glorify you for being our saviour. Thank you for bringing salvation through the Lord Jesus. And please help us this week to praise you for this grace towards us. And Sovereign Lord, please remind us of all that you have done for us so that we might rightly be in awe of you. Please help us to fear you for the merciful salvation you bring. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, as we finish, we're going to um, sing a song inspired by the words of the Magnificat. And my hope here is that we will be able to sing it to each other, to encourage each other with the salvation God has brought for us. So over to you, Andy. But let's sing the Magnificat together.